Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme park rides and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And today we're going to be talking about screens in rides and how they function as tools of or destroyers of the fourth wall. But first, hey Alice. Yeah, buddy? You and I uh, <laughs> both made special trips to our local movie theaters this weekend, right? Separately, but with the same goal to watch the most ambitious crossover film ever, Marvel's Infinity War. Uh, Avengers 3, colon, The Infinity War, colon, Mission Dash Breakout, and Breakouts in a Different response. <laughs> Right, exclamation. Uh, and uh, and really, but okay. So so it is it is Sunday, April 29th, as we record. And I have just left the theater, and you went and saw this movie on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we accidentally dropped about uh, half an hour into just talking about this movie. Yes, um, you don't get to hear this, hear that conversation. We're not going to spoil it for anybody, even right, if you're listening to this years down the line. This is not this is not a movie podcast as much as sometimes I wish it was. Um, <laughs> this is not a movie podcast. This is a theme park ride uh, podcast. But it, the the kind of uh, happy accident that maybe one of the biggest event films, um, uh, definitely of our lifetimes. Um, came out this weekend, and we were also thinking about the use of screens, uh, which are often kind of movie-like in their in their use, right? Um, for theme park rides, got me thinking, like, what is where do we draw the line, right? What is an attraction? What is what is not an attraction? And I heard people describing uh, Infinity War as a roller coaster. Or a kind of like of a, emotions. I mean, absolutely, but also kind of like <laughs> yes. a, a theme park ride where, where it's intense emotional experience after intense experience, and on and on. It it went for two and a half hours, uh, so so quickly that the time really flew by. Um, and 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 I wonder, like you know, this is an attraction in its own way, right? We are drawn to it. We we must go see it. It's just that the attraction comes to us, and it's not a place. Um, and I think that might be where the line gets drawn. I suppose so. But there are several different versions of what we would traditionally think of as theme park rides that uh, involve the use of screens or short films or even movies. Uh they're not wholly unconnected ideas. And this is why we wanted to talk a little bit about our movie going experience this weekend, mostly because the movie was great and we can't stop talking about it, but we wanted to stop. connect to this idea. I know it's so good. Um, <laughs> we wanted to connect this idea of the, the movie going experience or, or perhaps just the sitting in front of a screen experience with, uh, with theme park rides and, and talk about which rides use those kind of, screens and this kind of movie type idea most effectively and how that helps or hurts their narratives. Yeah, for sure. Because, uh, you know, uh, we voluntarily pay money to sit down in front of movie screens, right? And, and we, we do so about as often as, as we can, I think, given our, um, time commitments, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) there's, there's, there's a, uh, 
there's a certain disrespect, I think, surrounding the idea of screens and rides, right? Screens are almost a dirty word. Uh, it's like, ugh, a screen ride. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but really, that, that that's it's something that I've I've noticed while we kind of interact with people on Twitter or as we kind of read about reactions to new rides, that if something gets put in and it's, say, a 3D movie with effects, a so-called 4D movie, right? Or if it's a basic simulator-type ride with just a screen, uh, there are negative reactions to that. Right. And we could delve into this later, but I think some of that um, might come from the idea of these kind of sit-down-and-watch-a-movie kind of rides feel almost outdated. Uh, screen rides have been around for many, many years, or, or what we can maybe maybe screen attractions might be more appropriate. Yeah, screen um, attractions, like, I think, is a wider a wider net to cast. Because <laughs> I mean, it, it's one thing to to go on a dark ride, for example, and, and ride through a kind of like primitive, um, like practical effects, but a screen ride or a screen attraction in its early days might have been like this is the height of technology. Um, I'm thinking like Captain EO or something like that. Like, oh, like sit down to watch about, a movie. I was just about to mention Captain EO myself, like a uh, 70 millimeter full 3d projection, the hottest pop star in the world at the time with the hottest filmmakers in the world at the time, an especially right, designed theater. Like, right. And it might not have been the first screen ride, but it's definitely like an incredibly important, impactful one where that, that, they brought back for a little bit because it was such, it was like this big cultural touchstone. Um, but because that technology has been a, around so long, uh, just a, a typical screen a, attraction or ride might be, uh, might feel nowadays a little outdated. So they keep trying to, I don't know, one up themselves with, uh, with new technologies to add and new things, water being sprayed in your face or, you know that that's just like a simple addition, but they're trying to uh, up up their game uh, with every new kind of screen attraction that we uh, that 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 gets put in. Um, yeah, and and I'm thinking about other three and four D attractions like Muppets Muppet Vision four D, um, or is that just Muppet Vision three D? Is that what it's called? I think it's Muppet Vision three D, but it has the all of the Vision same. <laughs> the Muppet Vision, uh, which has all of the same um, elements in it as, say, Shrek 4D, um, but it's only called <laughs> Muppet Vision 3D. So, like, what is 4D versus 3D? Uh, maybe we I, could uh, talk about that. Talk about that in a minute. Uh, yeah. But I want to um, what, when we start talking about about screen rides and like their audience. I want to uh introduce our audience to uh to a term they might not be um intimately familiar with. You might 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 know it maybe in passing or maybe you've never heard of it at all, but I'd like to introduce um the topic of the day um which is the fourth wall. So the fourth wall, you might already be familiar with the fourth wall, but for those who might need a refresher or who maybe have heard of it but don't know exactly what it means, uh, the fourth wall is uh, a construct in the theater, uh, and it is the invisible wall that separates the audience from the action on stage. It is what allows you, the viewer, 
to look in on something you normally wouldn't be able to see. It's what makes theater so magical. You're taking out a wall in someone's life and seeing their innermost thoughts and actions. Um, and, and this is probably uh, public knowledge at, at this point, but that wall can be broken. And when you break the fourth wall is when the uh, people on the stage turn to interact with the audience by addressing them directly as an audience. Um, they are acknowledging that they are being watched. They're not just uh, talking to, to nobody. They say, hey, audience, please interact with us. They might just ask you to pay close attention. They might ask you to actively interact um, or even change the plot of, of what's going on. Um, but that, but that, that is, is what uh, breaking the fourth wall is. The fourth wall is um, extremely delicate. It's, it's, uh, it is, it is imaginary and it's about the relationship between what's happening on stage or on a screen, um, or perhaps in a ride or attraction. Um, it's that, it's that relationship between the performance and the audience that determines the strength of the fourth wall. And if that relationship falters or if it's purposefully attacked, uh, say in in the case of one of the examples we're going to talk about, um, the the fourth wall is is dissolved almost immediately. Right, and the I think the fourth wall when it comes to theme park rides is deliberately broken all the time, in almost every single case. In in a theme park ride, you want to involve your audience, and you want to. Um, to, to know that they're part of the ride and part of the experience, especially if you are marketing towards, towards children. We can even just go back to the episode we had about uh, Mission Breakout. We are, and they're asking us, the audience, they say, hey, you're an audience. You're here to watch. Put up your hands and help out Rocket. Right, if you you're don't put up your hands, engaging. then Rocket doesn't succeed. You've got to be part of this. You're, you're drawn right. into the experience. Right, it's a clap if you believe in fairies kind of thing, like from from the Peter Pan from the play. And that's a that's they a they turn to you, example, the audience. Right? Early classic example of it in the theater, and you, yeah, you turn to the audience and and you ask them for help, and they are directly then affecting the story. Um, and that's that's a pretty extreme example of breaking the fourth wall. Um, but it it doesn't have to be so obvious. It could just be uh, Jim looking into the camera on the office, or <laughs> like acknowledging that there is someone watching. Right, like the um, mugging, mugging the camera example. and being like, "Are you seeing this right now?" Uh, because <laughs> that's that's betraying a knowledge that this is being seen. Right, somebody is seeing right. it, and that's that's a little that's a little uncomfortable. That's a that's a strange place to be. But like like we were talking about earlier, Alice, there's one character that defines this fourth wall breaking. Yeah, it, it's in, in fact built into his character and personality. And of course, we're going to uh, just briefly talk about Deadpool. Deadpool. Deadpool would not be Deadpool if he didn't break the fourth wall. He breaks the fourth wall from the page, from the screen. I do believe that Deadpool it's... originally did not know he was in a comic book. Uh, and this is the, this is the product of a reboot. I could be wrong on that. Don't at me. Um, but it, it is what defines his character in the modern context. Uh, it's what makes as him we, stand as out. We know him. 
You know, that's funny. We, we just, uh, did you also see the Deadpool trailer uh, before Infinity War? I did. I was not excited for the very, Deadpool very movie until, until I saw this trailer um, when he turns to the audience and says, wow, you're dark. Are you from the DC universe? And I was like, wow. Hey. This is going to be, wow, this is going to be a, a fourth wall shattering experience. Just like the first one. There's there's a video game that Deadpool is in, Marvel vs. Capcom, where he, he can grab the health bar that he has and use it as a weapon. Um, <laughs> so good. Uh, Deadpool, De- Deadpool knows he's in a comic or a movie or a video game. He knows he's in whatever he's in. Um, and for him, the fourth wall does no, not that's exist. All, that's all sorts of, of meta and, and postmodern and, and, and ridiculous. That goes... He goes so much further past the fourth wall. We, I wish he had a theme park ride so we could talk about him on this podcast. Maybe we'll just start like a big old Twitter rant about Deadpool. That would be that would be very cool. Uh, um, but you know that's that's the thing though. I feel like it's a it's a bit that is best in isolated bursts because as audiences we like the fourth wall or we expect the fourth wall. And the joy of breaking the fourth wall, even a little bit, just like peeking around it, like Jim in the office, right? That joy <laughs> comes from the, uh, the shattering of our expectations as well. It, it says, right. you and I are in on this joke, right? Like, and, and that's, that's not the best place for a storyteller to be because the storyteller wants you to believe the things that are happening on the stage or on the screen or around you, in the case of a ride, um, as real. Right. They expect you, or they want you, the goal is for you to never experience, like, being, uh, suddenly becoming hyper-aware of your surroundings. Um, Like, oh, I'm sitting in a movie theater. This is all a joke. This is all fake. They really want you to... to Become involved and stay involved. Traditionally, traditionally, they want your emotional involvement to be behind the fourth wall. Um, but, yes. but when the fourth wall is broken, you know, one of two things might happen, right? That's true. There, there are are pretty much two outcomes um, from a uh, uh, from from breaking the fourth wall, uh, and 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 this is entirely dependent on uh, how smooth. The, uh, the, the break is and, and even, uh, down to personal preference and what kind of audience member you might be. Uh, the first, first thing that can happen, you might get, uh, sucked into the story, pulled into the action and feel more involved than, than before. Like suddenly this is, this becomes real and, and high stakes for you. Um, this is usually how kids react to the breaking of, of a fourth wall. Um, but of course adults can feel it too. And, and especially if you're emotionally in, invested or particularly imaginative. Yeah. Uh, I, if, if the story is compelling enough, anybody can feel this way. I, you don't have to be a kid. I think a, a good deal of how you react to fourth wall breaking, like you said, is about the smoothness and your investment. Um, and I, I think it depends on you caring about that moment and, and being drawn in and wanting to be drawn in. Um, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, like 
cheesy hypnotists who are like, you can only be hypnotized if you want to be hypnotized, right? And you, you can only uh, be drawn in by a fourth wall break if you if you want to be drawn in by a fourth wall break. Right. Because uh, the other option is, uh, the, the other outcome here is that you kind of get jolted out of the moment. Like I was saying, you suddenly become hyper aware, painfully aware of your, of your surroundings, of your presence in a theater, in the uncomfortableness of your seat. Uh, and, and, and you suddenly become too aware that what you're seeing is fake and, uh, and that can, can jolt you out of it and ruin your, your experience where you go, Oh, well, the stakes aren't high anymore. This, you know, this is, is really too bad. I was enjoying this. I was having a good time Um, and now I'm, now I'm not believing it anymore. And now I don't believe it anymore. And this can happen. This is if, uh, if the, if the story is bad. Or if the act of breaking the fourth wall is is clunky or forced, or maybe or maybe unexpected, um, and and the the description of it as painful, I think, is particularly apt, right? Because it it sucks. It's it's a bad feeling, <laughs> and we we I, as a culture have this uh, changing relationship with the fourth wall. I think thanks to postmodernism and and characters like Deadpool and other things we're so bathed in media so that winking at media has become easier for us. Um, but it, but it sucks when you don't want it to happen. It's not fun. Right. I'm the sort of person who, who gets a a pretty big kick out of things like, uh, watching an actor break on, on, on live TV or, um, and I'm still like, like I said, like a little kid who's going to raise my hands for, for rocket raccoon or clap if I believe in fairies or whatever. I, I am the sort of person who is more likely to be sucked into the story with a good, uh, with a good fourth wall break, but a bad one, like I don't like when in a 3d movie, when, um, the characters on the screen uh, go, oh, who's that in there watching us? And then the 3D effect has like their hand reaching into the theater, oh, trying my to like, squat at us, or or, or the like, character comes out and like, like flies somebody, around, you know? or or uh, does something like that. That's like, so cheesy. Who are, who are all you people? Oh my God. And that really brings me out. And then I'm like, oh, cool. I'm wearing a cheap pair of 3D glasses. I'm sitting in a seat that might rock every once in a while. <laughs> I don't right. you, it, I, I, I it is it is an ineffective use of the technology. Um and and that's weird because th- there's something special about what 3D can do and maybe we'll get into this later but those always look like they're directed just at you because of the way 3D technology works, right? Like the the thing comes out towards you, not towards somewhere else in the audience. Like it comes to you, right? The hand reaches for you. The snake comes to bite at you. The the um. <laughs> I keep imagining that bloopy yeah, the, blue character from from Muppet Vision. Just like it comes to you, it it, it makes it right makes you me. feel special. So that's that's part of the joy of of a three D ride, right? Is that that ability to have that relationship with whatever's happening? It, it happens to you. And that's really special and it feels good when it's done right. But, um, rarely is it done right because everybody around you, you are painfully aware of is having that same just to you experience. 
and that's weird and it can weird you out to to be kind of invaded like that um and it can it can be used to scare or thrill but rarely is it like friendly um and we we don't feel that way towards theme park rides and attractions we don't we're not like oh yeah come on into like my space uh we kind of want to keep that at arm's length because we're supposed to be thrilled we're supposed to be jarred out of our usual we're supposed to be experiencing something new so like to have something that close and personal i think is is dangerous um from a design and storytelling standpoint it could it, it runs into a danger of, of becoming a, a a really heavy crutch to lean on to to substitute this kind of like superficial interaction of this is a 3d or you know not even not even all just straight 3d but uh, but a screen to, to, to say you're seeing this, therefore you're experiencing something rather than actual, if you, if you lean on that, you maybe are sacrificing actual physical immersion. Um, yeah, it's like a, it's like a cheap substitute for an actual good immersive ride. And, and I know I know plenty of people who will avoid 3D movies at the theater for that same reason, uh, because those moments become heightened and uncanny and weird. We prefer two dimensions for storytelling because then there aren't any gimmicks like those moments that pull us out that break the fourth wall. Here's an idea. Uh, the fourth wall uh, is not important in traditional theme park rides and attractions. Uh, because the whole point, like we were just talking about with Mission Breakout and other rides like it, um, or even dark rides like we talked about in episode two, the whole point is that they happen to you, not necessarily to characters that you watch. You become the character. Um, and and I, I hesitate to put a word to it because it isn't really interactivity. Um, it's not about you taking part um, and and helping. We talked a little bit about this with Mission Breakout too. This kind of disingenuous feeling you get, like, oh yeah, I'm helping, haha. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, <laughs> looking in, lo- looking into the eye of Mara. Oh no, if I if I do or I don't, it doesn't matter. It's a track. We know it's a track, right? Oh man, when I was at Disneyland last week, you know yes. I looked right into the eye. You just you know I looked stare. directly in. <laughs> just stared it down. I even did that thing where I put my fingers, you know, like uh, like I'm watching you, like that. And yeah. then, of course, yeah, because of course, I'm... then you ended up in the in the halls of doom, which you know mm. that if you hadn't have looked, you you would not have had to have experienced that very scary thing. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna look every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you know that's not really what happens though. It's not really interactive. It's more passive than interactivity, but it's less passive than watching a show. Um, and I think that's that's an important balance to strike um, because the audience is asked many times in good rides to walk right through the fourth wall. In effective rides, the audience passes through the fourth wall as soon as they enter the queue, um, as soon as the pre-show begins, wherever you consider that to begin. Uh, you are walking through it. You are now in the world of this fiction. Um, and, and that's really, really important. And it's not just a common thing. 
it's it's built right into those really effective rides. It's it's about how they set up their storytelling. Um, like, okay, hear me out for a second. Uh, I'm about to tell you that Ferris wheels have a very involved story involving their audiences. <laughs> this is, okay. I can't even with you sometimes. <laughs> hear me out because this but is go on. This Convince is convince me. This is not, it's not that involved. It's not that deep of a story. The story is, you board a Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel goes around. It raises you up. It drops you back down. You go around a couple of times. You have fun while on it. It makes you feel an emotion. It makes you feel fun or thrilled. Um, and then the ride is you, over and you yeah. get off and you get off. This is a story about you on a Ferris wheel. It's outside of the ordinary, and you take part in it. You don't interact okay. with the Ferris wheel outside of maybe, like, swinging the chair, which is dangerous, and don't do that. Um, don't do that. But, Children. you know, <laughs> but you know, you take part. It is your story. Similarly, you board, um, say, a bookcase in Hogwarts, and you are drawn <laughs> along by Harry and friends through a forbidden journey and then you get off it's they're they're not detached from each other this is what rides are they're a a storytelling uh device that has no fourth wall this is a story about you in fact i would go so far as to say they are stories told in the second person Ooh, i like that right first person stories are i i do this i do that third person stories are he she they do this do that Second person stories are, you did this. That's brilliant. But we don't talk about the second person often enough. People don't write in the second person very often. That's because the second person is... It's hard to read. It's weird. So I was actually talking to somebody on Twitter about this uh, named Aaron Kyan on Twitter, at Aaron Kyan. Thank you so much for this conversation. Um, Where we were talking about how there aren't many second person audio dramas or podcasts um and we were trying to get to the bottom of why and it really is a strange phenomenon right like how often do you hear stories about you personally listening to the story um it, it's weird it's it's uncomfortable that's a really good point i think about um i think about the welcome to night vale episode story about you a lot have you listened to that one uh that's the best one. It's really one of my favorites. Like, you go and do this, you go and do that, and you know this, and you know that. You have to be told all of that by Cecil, and that's what's upsetting, is that this is kind of about you, I guess, but it isn't. It's about a character that isn't you. And that's that delicate balance, that reaching through the fourth wall and then assigning character traits to the the audience is is completely shattered in most theme park rides and attractions. I would say, like, when Indiana Jones says, not bad for tourists, and, like, points at you (laughs) and mugs you a little bit, that was like, you're telling me how I did, but I didn't do anything. (laughs) So so to kind of bring it back to screens, right, uh, the, the fourth wall is not... 
it's not necessarily there in the first place. So the use of screens presents another question with the fourth wall. So I would say that screens on rides present another side of the fourth wall or maybe another piece of the phenomenon. Um, because maybe what we're really worried about with screens uh, as as fans of theme park rides, as writers, as second person participants, um, what we're really worried about is that the screen brings the fourth wall back. It re-erects the fourth wall in front of us because we know what a screen is and it's not outside of the ordinary and we we are drawn out and we didn't ask to be drawn out and it's not a fun wink and it's not effective and we were hoping to achieve some escapism which is then destroyed by the knowledge of how a screen works and the limits of the screen or the presence of a screen where, where maybe it didn't belong uh and I think that's the the interesting thing about screens. When can we use them effectively? When do we reject them? Um, and when do when do we find ourselves face to face with the fourth wall again? Which is what theme park rides and theme parks in general are trying to destroy. They're trying to let you live in theater or drama or TV or film. They're trying to make you live in it. The screen brings it back. No, that's a really Really interesting point. And I think that, and this is of course not to say listening audience before you start atting us. Um, this is not necessarily to say that screen rides are going to be bad rides. No, there are we, plenty of great screen, screen rides that we really like and that do tell effective stories. So maybe, maybe the question here today. And the topic of, of conversation is not why are screens not good for rides, but rather what aspects of the good screen rides set them apart from the bad screen ride. So what specifically in a good screen ride or a, a, a ride with screens that we consider effective, uh, what specifically makes it effective? Uh, and, and, and so maybe we should spend time picking out uh, specific aspects of certain rides that we find good, certain ones that we find bad, and we can try and and get to the bottom of of this this thing um, and uh, this thing. Um, I'd like to ask: um, Is this kind of uh, existence or non-existence of the fourth wall um, more effective on something like a a, a roller coaster? where the physicality of it kind of trumps the, uh, like, like maybe you're so distracted by the physicality of it that you forget maybe about the fourth wall or maybe more something like a dark ride where, uh, where any screens that you, that you come across, um, if you're, if you're moving slower, you can, you can kind of, um, like be, be more drawn in to the story. Yeah, you can kind of form more of a relationship um, like, with the screen. Um, and, and then move past it. Or, or is it best, uh, employed on a, like a simulator, like Star Tours, or just like a, like a 4D experience, like, like 
and and I struggle with them calling it 4D because I don't think they know what dimensions are. So 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 it, would it be roller coasters or dark rides or simulators or just like a simple we're watching a, a we're watching like a, a mini show maybe with some interactive elements to it. Um, it like which of which of these like types of rides maybe are most effective? Well, Alice, that is a really good question. And I think I have a personal answer. Um, and I'd, I'd like to make the case if you will allow me. I'll allow it. Good. Thank you so much, uh, your honor. So here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, let's for a second set aside the 3D or 4D show. Let's, let's put that aside as I not really a. <laughs> quite yeah. a lot about it. We, we've we've kind of giving them a, a lashing here, um, and they don't they don't always deserve it. But there's there's something to be said about um, the other options available for screen based rides at theme parks. Um, so the way I see it, there's kind of two competing uh, sort of formats at work here. Um, there's there's a formula that I refer to. Um, semi-affectionately as the universal formula, uh, and this is extremely popular with their, their rides lately. Um, and here's, here's how it goes. They load the passengers into a car, uh, that moves through physical space. Um, for example, uh, at Islands of Adventure, uh, Spider-Man, the Spider-Man ride, it's a news van. It's a really strangely shaped news van, but it is a news van. Um, in the Transformers ride, it is an actual Transformer, which is super strange. He, like, goes from a human shape to a, a van shape, and then, and then he's like, hop in, guys! And that's strange to me, and raises all sorts of other questions, but that's not the point. Um, in Escape from Green Gods, it is a minecart. Um, it's one of those ones that you see in the movie. Uh, Very appropriately themed. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's probably maybe the strongest example of good theming because that's a thing that already exists in the universe. Um, and what each of these rides does, and there are other examples as well, um, is they move the car uh, sometimes, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly through physical environments um, that then you end up in front of a screen, and that screen has some kind of effect, be it a uh, 3D effect, or maybe the ride is in 2D. None of the ones that I've just listed are. Or maybe there's some sort of a physical foreground object that interacts with the audience. Um, maybe you get blasted with water or heat to simulate fire. Um, maybe it changes maybe the way that the car moves. Maybe you see in, in the Transformers ride the, uh, the dead corpse of Starscream just oh there. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, no, that's Megatron at the end, right? Is it just Megatron? Like, Megatron's rotting dead just... corpse. Gosh, I, <laughs> I think mean, you're right. I think it is Megatron. His a, eyes are, are not glowing. He's, it's very yeah. disturbing. It's, it's upsetting because I, there's no way that's canon, right? And anyways, um, <laughs> moving you know, on. And moving on. Uh, and, and so each of these rides are very, very similar. Uh, you get a pair of 3D glasses as you go through, and it really does seem to be kind of the prevailing design philosophy, especially at Universal Studios. Um, and, and my question, Alice, is do we like this over the other format 
which is just the classic simulator, I, I would say. Uh, the audience in a box or the audience on a, a specialized uh, seating arrangement um, in front of a screen paired with perhaps more extreme motions, but not actual, um, not actual four dimensional motion, if that makes any sense um, to, sure, to like, misuse dimensions, but you know, yeah, it's all kind of in place like, in front of the screen. Right. Like Star Tours. Like Star Tours or, uh, you know, Soren, I would say, also qualifies as this kind of a ride um, or the Simpsons ride. What used to be the Back to the Future ride um, where you are in a simulator that matches the motion of what you see on the screen in a way that's convincing enough in, in most cases that you are moving the way that the screen is showing you moving. Uh, and. I, I wonder, like, universal formula, much more physical, lots of extra space, more opportunities for 3D objects um, versus the simulator formula, which is more widely used and maybe simpler, um, but doesn't have that, that you know, depth, that, that depth of field. Because honestly, and, and this is weird, because you feel like describing them, you might, you might feel the opposite, but I kind of get sucked right out of universal formula rides. Oh, really? Really. Uh, I, I find them to be so samey. Um, and, and looking, looking at them while I'm on them, I'm like, I see how they're doing this. I see how they're doing this. I would say one big, uh, counter example would be Harry Potter and the forbidden journey, which I do not get sucked out of, but I would say that's because it's such a novel movement system. Um, Compared to these other ones, which are van screen to screen, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, is... it's a it's a car. It's a it, you're driving in a car. You kind of feel like you're on wheels rather than like on Forbidden Journey, where you feel like you're flying. And so that ad additional level of oh, this is a cool feeling. I like this. I'm into it. Like yeah, I, like it. it that is more likely to draw you into the <laughs> the immersivity <laughs> of the. Uh, of the of the moment that you're yeah. in. I mean, like, this is why I'll ride Soren again and again and again, or why I'll ride Star Tours again and again and again, even before the refurb. It well, two reasons. I love the the idea of feeling flying, and Soren really does that for you. And I love oh, Star so Wars, and Star Tours really feels like it puts you there. And I yeah. will, every time I go to Universal Studios Hollywood, skip the Transformers ride because <laughs> I, I just don't get that feeling. Hmm. I would actually I... rather ride the Simpsons ride, which is so funny because <laughs> uh, it's, it's much simpler. I disagree. I'm glad you do because I, uh, we should have spirited debate <laughs> on this should, podcast. We should. I, I don't like, I don't love the Simpsons ride. Um, well, just let like me let it, me be perfectly clear. Back to the Future oh, ride was, was a better like ride, it. and the Simpsons ride has a lot of badness about it, including probably the worst possible 3D models for the Simpsons themselves. No, they're they're very bad. They're, they're very they're bad. Very very bad. And it, it does not um, look good anymore. But I prefer it to the Transformers ride, which I guess makes me garbage. Actually, <laughs> um, I mean you're. I mean we are. We already knew you were garbage. Right. But theme park fine. trash. Um, you're theme park trash. Um, 
you, I, I, I would choose the Transformers ride over the Simpsons ride, given the choice. Um, and not because I particularly love the Transformers ride, although I kind of do, I find it more physically thrilling. I, it, Transformers ride is surprisingly speedy. Um, it, it feels a little more roller coaster, not, not actually like a roller coaster, but it, I feel more like physical adrenaline, like involved. Um, whereas, uh, the Simpsons ride, it, I guess maybe because the Simpsons ride such a big screen and you're mm-hmm. such a small car and I can look to the left and right and see like seven other cars doing the same thing. Yeah. That, that doesn't feel as immersive or, uh, or compelling to me. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's definitely, I think we're, we're kind of hitting a point where it does come down to taste in, in what you prefer to experience. But, but Star Tours, I think, is a really special example. Um, because, (laughs) right, it not only, not only is it an earlier ride in terms of when it was introduced, but I think it does something extra that really solves a lot of the problems of at least the simulator format. Um, which is, it puts you in a physical, uh, very detailed, very well themed, cockpit area i would say well you know you're in the passenger area but but you you can look in on the cockpit yeah the fourth wall lowers and your pilot be it rex or c3po depending on the era uh is revealed rip rex um (laughs) your, your pilot is revealed and they're real and physical and there and with you and they react accordingly to what's happening and they can provide extra information and they can interact with the set that they're on because there are controls next to them. And there's the additional screen, the comm screen, where X-Wing pilots or Poe or Finn can call in and talk to you. And then there's the hologram projection with the 3D glasses. And all of that, like, drags you right in. And you don't need more motion because Star Tours has that extra depth. It has that extra layer. That, that says this is a real thing that, that is happening. It actually, I think, kind of pulls the fourth wall back up a little bit so that you can just for a little, little bit believe the screen, believe right. the screen is real. You become a passenger again and, and like you would just be a passenger on a roller coaster or a passenger on the Ferris wheel even where you are, are no longer, you're, you're part of the story. You yourself, part of the story, but you're not asked to help or participate or anything. You are innocent bystanders in this other story that you are lucky enough to witness. And that's where that, that fourth wall comes back up. You get to see action happening, feel yeah. like it's happening around you and with you, but you're not asked to play. And, and Star Tours is such a special ride to me, and it definitely is getting its own episode eventually. Uh, maybe, maybe around the time when Solo comes out. Um, but now we, we, we're just using it as an example here. We'll really dive into Star Tours, and I believe we'll be diving into its presence in the canon, which is very important to me. Um, mm-hmm. but not actually relevant to this podcast. And, uh, it's, different ways you can ride star tours, the the variability of star tours, but that's another episode. We're just talking about its use of the screen right now. Right. 
And I think Star Tours, in addition to having a really good screen and simulator format, is also the best current use of 3D glasses in the ride. The 3D is not reaching out at you. It's not trying to grab you. You don't have the 3D coming to interact with you, the writer. It simply allows you, it, it simply gives you this deeper view, this like, it, it just expands the screen back further. It just, it makes the space that you're in feel bigger and, uh, and more intense. Um, yeah. It, it, the, really the only thing right now, see, Star Tours is, is also right that changes often enough. Um, sure. Now, nowadays changes. So like, um, there, like you said in the Naboo ending, when it is a, a, a holy variant ride, uh, you you do kind of get a 3D moment where something pops out at you. It pops uh, through the screen, and and there's even a, a kind of and this is one of my least favorite things on the ride. There's a moment where Darth Vader seems to kind of reach through when he stops the the star speeder. He goes stop, and his hand is way bigger than it should be. It's like he's reaching through. Ooh, um, no, I don't like that. They don't really yeah, do that see, with Kylo in 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 the version that's playing right now in April 2018. Um, <laughs> to date the Kylo, podcast, <laughs> Kylo Ren will will stop the will stop the the speeder, but he's at a far enough distance that actually the three D glasses make him look further away, um, mm-hmm. and more instead of just like on a screen, like in a flat space, he looks right far away. He looks um, he looks like he's part of the, uh, depth, this added depth. And yes. often I think Star Wars really pulls that off. And, and that's, that's about restraint, I would say. Because Agreed. there are, there are specific 3D effect moments, such as the holograms. Um, but that is that enhanced by the 3D. In. Yeah. Uh, and those, that's extra, right? Because it's explained in the universe. Of course, a hologram is right here in, in front of me from my perspective, because that's how holograms work. So it's not weird. It's not a weird moment. And usually it's a beloved character. So it's not extra weird that it's like popping out at me. <laughs> like, and he's not Maz Kanata is just there. Because like, Maz, well, she, Maz she's Kanata in the center of the room. She's dead center in the room. She's not like, yeah. like looking you in the eye. She's being presented to you, the, uh, the unfortunate the passengers whole, on the whole group on of a, passengers on a star tour. On, on a, a star, star tour. That, that, <laughs> Oh my gosh, we can't talk about the canon. Let's not do it no, right now. No, we have a whole episode for it. We will. Yes. I promise, dear listeners, we will. We will. So Star Wars is is wonderful at that. And I think again, uh that that added depth and that restraint of 3D uh and the use of the screen as a deep field view that would be impossible elsewhere. I think is the most appropriate way to approach screens in theme park rides. Um, and, and for me, it really, it really is the gold standard. Um, you know, I, I, I was also talking, I was singing the praises of forbidden journey and we were talking to some of our, uh, our good contributors on Twitter. We'll shout you guys out soon. Um, and the way that in forbidden journey, uh, the, the practical sets, and like such as the Whomping Willow or the Dementor or the Dragon's Face, uh, they don't perfectly match with the screens, what you see on the screens, but they are there and they add depth and they're, they're interactable and they're 3D, truly 3D, they're physical. 
and and you can almost reach out and touch them and that makes that ride more effective for me as well and there if you ask uh, me in, in some of the in some of the later uh universal formula rides uh there isn't enough of that um there isn't enough physical dark ride stuff being done to to enhance the the uh how you say immersivity <laughs> Oh, this... please never do that again. <laughs> okay, I won't. Okay, so the the Spider-Man ride, which is a 3D ride through the cartoon Spider-Man universe, uh, opened in 1999, and it features amazing practical set work, uh, such as a giant floating Statue of Liberty head um, that that kind of rolls towards the audience. It's really cool. It's scary. It's big. It's larger than life. There are vans. Uh, I was just rewatching this in preparation for the episode. And I was really impressed when we, when we wrote it a couple of years ago. Um, that this, this ride really does hold up. Uh, and it's been refurbished since 1999. They've updated the CG. Uh, but, but it really works. And there's water and there's, there's heat for fire and there's really cool stuff done with perspective for the ride. At one point you, you start floating up. Uh, and then some of the ride takes place backwards. It's really cool. And I think that's the kind of restraint and combination that you could see as, as more effective, uh, instead of feeling like a cheap cop out. In the case of Fast and the Furious colon supercharged in a different font, um, there's. You're kidding. No, that's, that's really how it's, how it's (laughs) presented. In the case of Fast and the Furious, uh, there's, there's a weird thing happening in terms of the fan response. Um, and I've been seeing this on Twitter and kind of standing back because I haven't ridden the ride. Um, but I have, I have watched on ride videos and I've, I've asked people for their perspective. And the short answer is, uh, there is a hologram portion of the ride where the actors have been captured and put into hologram form. So they look kind of realistic interacting with these, uh, kind of deeper sets. Uh, if you've ever been to, for example, uh, Forbidden Journey, again, hate to keep leading, leaning on it, Forbidden Journey, but Forbidden Journey has this, uh, Escape from Gringotts has this as part of the queue. Uh, these are part of the ride. You kind of drive into a room where this happens. Um, and then you drive forward on your party bus. Yes, that's what it's called. Um, and it's shaped exactly like the trams for the Universal Studios studio tour in Hollywood because it is a retread of that attraction uh it is a a 360 degree screen where a car gets chased and 3d renderings of your favorite fast and the furious characters jump around and the bus kind of wiggles and air is blown on you to simulate speed oh my god it's literally the same it's the exact same ride um and it's it's received a lot of criticism. It is actually the same ride. And the tram or party bus, whichever one you are on, doesn't move. Uh, the action takes place completely around it. And it, it, it doesn't immerse the audience effectively. Even though you're quite literally surrounded on all sides by a surrounded. Surrounded on all all sides by sounds and fury and pretty pretty lights, but no actual 
immersion happens for these audiences that are walking out of this ride. Uh, and, and I know that the ride has its fans and there are people who really like fast and the furious for whom this is, you know, a big deal. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't strike a chord with general audiences is, is the general feeling I'm getting. I think that's because it's, Unlike even the other universal formula rides, it doesn't move you from screen to screen. There's no actual motion. Uh, the reliance on CG and the screens is overdone without restraint. Um, and the practicality of the set is not there. It's non-existent. Right. You're essentially watching a seven minute, seven minute? Oh, yeah, seven ish. It's not, it's not very long at all. You're watching basically a seven ish minute long short animated film, (laughs) computer generated Uh, animated film set in the Fast and the Furious universe featuring CG versions of, of characters that you maybe love if you're a big fan of the franchise, but you maybe just be vaguely familiar with like me. I could tell you who Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel are, (laughs) but (laughs) they are actors. They are actors. Good looking ones at that, but they are like 3D, like, like CG 3D, like avatars of these guys in a short Yeah, film. I do believe That's there's some, time. some compositing that does happen, right? They're not entirely, uh, CG'd, but it certainly no, does think, not look good. I think as soon as they go into the chase, I'm, if it's anything like the, the one at, um, uh, Hollywood is hmm. as part of the tram. Right? If it's anything right. like that at all, the second that the actual chase starts happening, the entire thing is computer generated. Yeah. And, and 100% and a, of it. I have a really hard time with attractions like this. There's a, a second one like it in Hollywood, uh, that is King Kong, right? Um, mm-hmm. and the King Kong one has always, uh, underwhelmed in my opinion. Uh, it was, it was cool about once. You hold on to your, your 3D glasses for the duration of the 90 minute studio tour. Um, they say, put them on to protect you from Kong. Oh wait, can we, can, as an aside, can, can we have an aside? Aside? Yes. Yes. Uh, step over here into my office. Uh, okay. So, okay. I sat down. Um, as an aside, how tired are you? of rides trying to find a story reason for you to, to wear clunky glasses Oh my god, I'm so sick of it. Put <laughs> your so safety tired. goggles on. Put your your visors on. Put your It's usually uh, safety goggles. They're like it's, 99% at safety goggles. And 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 I I mean like first of all, find another thing for it to be. They are not just safe. They are 3D glasses first of all. Just They're not protecting anybody's glasses. face. Uh, but but then, you know, that breaks the fourth wall. That breaks the immersion. Does everybody have their 3D glasses? It's time for the 3D special effects show to start. Like, ugh, really? I think, actually, Muppet Vision does this. No. Muppet Vision co- calls them safety goggles. <laughs> because the conceit is Everyone that it's Muppet Vision laughs. Yep, they're all safety goggles. <laughs> And it's weird. <laughs> like, please, it's whatever. please, if you were designing a 3D ride, if anybody out there is actually related to theme park design, and you're designing a 3D ride, do something better than calling your 3D glasses safety goggles. 
there please. has to be a better way. There must be a better way. Please. Anything. Right, I don't back. care. Okay, so back to on topic. Those rides always underwhelm because they're just movies on specialized screens and the motion is never enough. The uh, interactivity that you have with the world is never enough. Rides like that simply don't do it for me. Uh, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but it, it's just not, it's not a responsible, not an effective use of screens. Mm-mm. I agree. You agree? Um, I do. Um, there's really just one more, uh, like littler version of this, even, even like literally. Yeah. <laughs> smaller, Small, version of this. smaller, smaller use. Smaller use of this, uh, which is the quite literal opposite of the universal formula, um, which is like usually in a, in a dark ride, uh, where they add little screens to physical parts of the ride. Yeah. Either, either projections or, um, projections or specialized screens that, uh, show you a, uh, an animation or that, uh, use uh, they're used to make depth more apparent. Um, and I think this is, this is a pretty good use of a screen. Um, I'm imagining, uh, for example, uh, Radiator Springs Racers, uh, which is an extremely yes. popular ride. Uh, and all of the, all of the cars are, they, their eyes are screens, right? They're projected. Um, and not to mention there are a couple of other screen effects such as uh Mater jumping over the moon with the cows uh and things yeah. like that 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 you probably couldn't do with animatronics or that would look strange with animatronics uh the Alice in Wonderland dark ride uh since its recent refurb at Disneyland has uh, a few screens with actual animation from the movie and some new stuff as well that i think work okay they work pretty well um, though I would say a, a caution on that is that, um, if it looks substan- substantially different, uh, between the screen and the real life character or animatronic that you're adding to the ride, it can be jarring. It can be like, oh, she looks different here than she did on the screen a second ago. <laughs> Uh, and the, uh, there's a, oh, it's really, it's really dark in here. And oh, his eyes are very glowy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, things, <my> goodness. <laughs> things like that are, are, uh, technical, I think, or design challenges that need to be overcome if this continues to be a useful thing for ride designers. Um, yeah, and I would also I think say it'll only get better. Yeah. It's, it's probably, it's probably only going to get better. And, and I think that this is a good balance because the dark ride, uh, mentality is maintained creating a 3D environment that people actually move through and experience in that way. You can add things like, for example, on the Navi River journey in Orlando, which I have not written, but I have seen videos of, um, there are screens behind uh, plants and things like that that kind of increase the depth, make the world feel more alive, um, where there would normally be, say, a black wall or a, a matte painting. These are screens, and and I think that's effective as well. Um, where you can you can kind of blow out the walls, so to speak, to to use a, a phrase from Charles Gustine, one of our many contributors. Uh, blow out the walls of the show building and kind of say it's bigger than it looks. It's bigger on the inside, um, and that's something that screens screens really can bring that to, especially the dark ride. 
Yes. I think, uh, yeah, I think these, these, uh, this use of screens will only get more and more effective. Uh, the only, the only problem becomes when they become the only piece of tech in the room to fail. And suddenly you have a lightning McQueen with no eyeballs and that <laughs> might freak a, freak a child out. Uh, um, I, I believe but, that the, you know, that's just like any, that's just like anything. Like when the music fails on Jurassic Park and it becomes the, least high stakes drop ride the totally <laughs> underwhelming um, drop ride uh yeah and the, the frozen ride at, at epcot i think uses a lot of this projection technology and elsa's face not being there is a real problem uh a, a yeah, huge problem a lot of children a shut down the ride level problem whereas elsa may be missing a cue uh if she were just a, a pure animatronic with no projection uh, maybe less drastic. Um, it might just be a bummer, but they wouldn't shut the ride down. Right. Uh, so the, there are certainly dangers uh, related to using projection and screens on dark rides. Um, but I think, Alice, that, that means we've covered all of the screen usages that we've encountered or that we have comments on. Yeah, I think we, we did a, a pretty thorough job of that um of course we'd love to to uh con- continue this conversation with you our listeners on on twitter yeah like that's we, right uh, we love our twitter followers and our and, and our twitter contributors let's go to some of the responses that i got when i asked people about their um their experiences with screens on rides so this first one comes from caps caps for sale who in our previous encounter I referred to as caps, caps, caps for sale. Caps, caps, caps. Um, and I, you know, caps, caps, caps. Uh, I'm still going to say it three times, even though I know that your, your at is caps, caps for sale. Um, and caps, 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 caps says, uh, the most underwhelming screen experience of the past year for him was Jimmy Fallon's race through New York, which is a, uh, it's a, an attraction at Orlando Universal Studios. Um, which he describes as literally just a screen, some motion, and some subtle smells. Uh, so, so for me, yeah. this, this really does, uh, kind of mirror the, the criticism of supercharged, um, where you can put a very fancy screen in front of people and you can put the 3D glasses on them and everything. Uh, but there has to be more. Um, and, uh, to, Alice, did you take a look at this ride? Because I did. <laughs> No, I, I didn't, um, because, uh, honestly, well, okay, honestly, if it's, uh, if, um, the majority of the ride is smells, I feel like you have to be there. Um, right. but then also the idea of a ride called Race to New York and then its big feature being smells as someone who currently lives in New York, <laughs> that is not, I'm not interested. I'm oh, incredibly no. uninterested in the smells of New York. You don't want to uh, smell everything New York has to offer? Most of New York smells very bad. <laughs> um, uh, not interesting. No. Uh, and, and the thing about, uh, rides and screens and motion and smells is I was reminded by, by that comment of Soarin' Over California or Soarin' uh, Over the World. Soarin', um, Soarin crushes its smell game. When it was Soarin' Over California, when you would go over those orange groves, mm-hmm. it, smelled like an orange grove. You smelled the leaves and the dirt and the oranges and oh my god, it was absolutely perfect. It was beautiful. Definitely. And and ten out of ten. We 
I think I think we kind of got somewhere, and I'd like to move on to another comment here from our good friend and contributor Charles Gustine of the Iconography Hi, podcast. Everybody, please go listen to Iconography. It is a triumph. Um, it's so good. And and he says that Soren is a perfect example because the engineering problem and the thrill of Soren is how can we make you feel flying with some motion, a screen, and some smells. And I think, Charles, you are completely right. It by by having a specialized screen and a specialized goal, which is feel like flying, not necessarily make you smell New York, which is not a good goal. You should never try to reach it. Or even or even not necessarily tell you a story. Right. But it's someone just is there to make you feel boy, a feeling. Let's fly. And and Film on a screen with the right kind of motion can make you feel that. And I was talking to somebody about Flight of Passage, and they say that this this is a very similar thing at, at the Animal Kingdom, Flight of Passage, um, that it is definitely just motion in front of a screen, but the seat and the, the kind of bike-type seat that they put you on um kind of interacts with you in a way that also enhances the believability, makes you feel like you're riding a creature, um, which is something that can't be communicated on uh, on a ride video. So I, I'm interested, Alice, maybe when you go later this spring, um, what you think of that ride. Yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, make sure to stop by. I'm going uh, in the middle of May. Nice. So I, I will definitely report that. And that, that conversation was another one that I had with Caps Caps for Sale, that, that the creature really feels like it's it's flying um, and that you are on it doing that. So that's that's a really cool effect that, again, a screen ride is enhanced by appropriate motion, by being specialized, by making you want to feel a certain thing and by, by going for that with, with its engineering, not simply by making you feel like you're in the middle of a King Kong. I don't know what that attraction is. <laughs> um, so, so one more. Um, I was talking to Dan of the Tomorrow Society, um, and his Twitter handle is at Tomorrow Soak, what S-O-C, short for society, I believe. Um, and he was saying that he really prefers physical environments because you're not held at a distance. Um, and that's really interesting that the, the oh, distance between, interesting between the audience and a screen is whatever depth is, is put on screen, right? Uh, and then kind of a wall because that's where the screen has to be. And then more distance and then wherever you observe the screen for there, there is quite a lot of separation. Um, and, not having not having a screen um, removes at least that extra depth that's on the screen plus the distance you have to be from the screen to observe it. You can really be moving through plants or creatures or a hidden temple, and if you're building that and you're on it, um, you're not separated. And I think that's really interesting because we were talking about distance as a good thing in, like, Star Tours, right? The use of distance. Um, and the way that right. the depth yeah. actually enhances Maybe it. Maybe not so much distance as, yes, depth over distance. Yeah, and I think, I think depth and distance, I think, uh, they're not just, they don't just have different connotations. I think they mean different things. So, like, depth means it's 
uh, it's good how deep you can see, right? It's a positive thing. Whereas distance feels dry and unoccupied and empty. Depth feels full. And I think that's what, what designers should be going for is depth. Um, so that's a really a d- interesting distinction that I don't think we'd get if we weren't talking to our great Twitter fo- followers. So thank you guys so much for uh, contributing. Yes, thank you, everybody. We love Twitter. Please interact and follow us on Twitter and uh, and essentially help us write all of yes, our Yes, make episodes. us sound smarter <laughs> than we are. Thank you for listening to Those Happy Places. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. The research for this episode was done by Alice White and edited by Buddy Duquesne. This episode was produced by Alice White and edited by Buddy Duquesne. Our theme music is Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers, featuring Phil Alvin. You can find the Feet Warmers on YouTube or on their website, CaliforniaFeetWarmers.com. Additional music for this episode came from Poddington Bear, available on the Free Music Archive. Look him up, he's amazing. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Send people to our website at www.thosehappyplaces.com and join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thosehappyplaces, where we're always talking about theme parks and ideas for future episodes. We're also on Twitter. That's right. I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And I'm at Alice White THP for Those Happy Places. Thanks for listening. We hope you return to Those Happy Places. 